I'd invite you to open with me in your Bibles to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and Ephesians 6. 2 Corinthians 10, Ephesians 6. We're going to continue here this evening our uh, message on spiritual warfare, our series that we've been going through. And the point that we're at now is we're working our way through the armor of God from Ephesians 6, but 2 Corinthians 10 is a, uh, also a pivotal passage in this whole concept of spiritual warfare. And so I just want to read that again here at the beginning. We'll read the passage in Ephesians 6. We'll pray together. And tonight we're looking at the shield of faith. The shield of faith. So 2 Corinthians chapter 10, in verse 3, it says, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Here this is a great example of spiritual warfare. And then in Ephesians 6, starting in verse 10, Paul says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand firm, therefore. Having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, and in all circumstances take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Father, we thank you for your word, Lord, that equips us, that strengthens us, that helps us. Lord, it's so obvious to all of us today that we are living in dark days, Lord, that there are evil forces at work. Lord, that there are demonic powers, that there are, as Paul describes, rulers in the cosmic places and evil in the heavenly realms, Lord. We, we see this here in our world today, and it's not just in spiritual places that we see this. We see it spilling out into the physical world, and so that even those who uh, are even not awakened by your spirit, even those who are not born again can even look around and say, what is going on in our world? A strange day that we're living in when those who are not filled with your spirit can see that there's something terribly wrong and, and those who claim uh, to follow you and to be your children and who, who are filled with your spirit are somehow asleep today. 
But Lord, you've called us to fight the good fight. You have called us to engage in this battle. And the weapons that you have given us, they are not carnal, they're not of the flesh, our enemy is not of the flesh. But it has, the weapons that you've given us have divine power, your power behind it. And with your power behind it, we know that we will be victorious. I pray that you would help us tonight as we study the shield of faith, that you would build our faith. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. These uh, texts on spiritual warfare are the texts. They explain to us what spiritual warfare is, how the devil operates, what he's up to, and what our response ought to be. Uh, the, the, the big idea is that there is a real devil out there who is fighting real battles, waging a real war, and we are in the midst of it. And God has enlisted us in his army to push back the forces of darkness, Amen. to push back against these demonic powers in our life and in people's lives. And he, he talks about how we do that, in, again, in 2 Corinthians 10, that, that we destroy arguments, that, that every lofty thought that exalts itself against Christ, that we apply the word of God, that we, we, we speak in the power of the Spirit, and we undermine these antichrist systems of thought and belief. And so we as God's people must be equipped. We must be steeped in the truth of the word of God, steeped in the truth of the gospel. If we are, have only baptized vain philosophies of this world and, and just sprinkled a little bit of Jesus on top of it, we'll be like the rest of the Christian church in America today that is being led like sheep to the slaughter. I don't want that for you. I don't want that for your kids. I don't want that for your family. The, the public school system today is a slaughterhouse. Taking our kids and filling their minds with demonic thoughts and ideologies that are antithetical to the gospel of Jesus Christ. How can I as a Christian... Hand over my children to those who would pervert their minds for eight hours a day. We must engage in this fight. That's what he's calling us to. To get in the fight. Now, again, I talked about this a little bit this morning. The fight is not easy. It's not going to be easy. We're not just going to fall into winning a battle. You don't accidentally win. You don't just wake up and go, wow, we just defeated the devil. How did that happen? No, there's going to be blood. There's going to be bruises. There's going to be knocks. It's going to require effort. It's going to require sacrifice. That's a horrible word. It's going to require us to pay a price. 
This is why Jesus said, if any man would come after me, he must what? Eat cotton candy and watch Netflix? Deny himself and take up his cross. To follow Christ, we must deny ourselves. To follow Christ, we we must accept the fact that it's not going to be easy. It's going to require work and hard work and concentrated effort, pushing hard in one direction against all of the forces of darkness. It's not going to happen by accident. If if you're going to win a spiritual battle in your life and in your family, if you're going to take back territory from the enemy, it's not going to happen by accident. It's not just going to, oh, okay, sirrah, sirrah, you know, whatever will be, will be. No, it's going to require you to get in the fight. To get in the fight. So that's what we've been talking about the last few weeks. Tonight we're looking at the shield of faith. And this armor of God that we are equipped with is to help us to stand against the schemes of the devil. Paul uses that word here four times in Ephesians 6. Stand against the schemes of the devil, withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand firm, stand therefore. And I've, I've shared this several times that the emphasis on standing is that the victor at the end of the fight, he's the one who is standing. This is a position of victory. That, that when we take up this armor of God, when we use it, when we exercise it, that we will stand. And we will be the ones left standing in the end. The Bible says that a righteous man, though he may fall six times, he gets up seven times. And the enemy might, from time to time, knock us down. But God's people get back up. Because we're filled with God's spirit. We're filled with the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. Now here talking about the shield of faith, the context here, a little bit of background info. It's not talking about this little small shield. Maybe you've seen that little small shield that sometimes people would have and that they would fight with. It's not talking about that. It's talking about the, the Roman army and their shield that they would go forward with. That, that, Roman, arm, that Roman shield could, could be five and, and, and six feet tall. It was enormous. And, and they would place those shields side to side so that when the enemy would you know, dip the arrows in pitch and light it on fire and launch it at, at, at the Roman soldiers, they didn't have these little tiny shields that they would hide behind. They had these massive shields that they would link side to side that would cover the whole army. That's the kind of shield that he is talking about that would leave you not exposed at all to attack, but it would cover the whole person. And so what does it mean where Paul says here to take up the shield of faith? Take up the shield of faith that he says to do. What does that mean? The the arrows are coming. The enemy has launched his fiery attacks against us. 
They are coming. And Paul sort of obviously states the obvious. Uh, put your shield up, he says. We can see the arrows. We can see the attacks of the enemy. Paul says, get behind your shield. The shield of faith. So what, what is this shield of faith? Well, how do I take it up? Okay, what is it? The shield of faith, hear me in this, this is real profound, okay? The shield of faith is faith. Faith is the shield of faith. Faith in God. Faith in His Word. Faith in His promises. Faith in His Son. Our faith in God is a shield that protects us from the attacks of Satan. But just as a physical shield must be held onto, we too must hold on to our faith. When the enemy is attacking, and he's always attacking, we must hold on to our faith. Hold on to this faith which shields us. We must hold on to our faith in God and the promises of God. And our faith in God and in His Word, it is a shield that protects us from all of the attacks of the enemy. The Apostle Paul, quoting from the prophet Habakkuk, said it this way, the just, the righteous, shall live by faith. We spent a whole series on faith and looking at the heroes of the faith, working through Hebrews chapter 11, the, the hall of fame of our faith. We, we looked at example after example of how these people lived by faith. Lived by faith. What they believed determined how they lived, not the circumstances in front of them. Not, not what was happening in the culture or what was happening in the world. And, and so we're going to adjust how we live based on the beliefs of our culture. No, the just live by faith. Faith in the Son of God. Faith in God's Word. Now, there are fiery darts coming our way. There are attacks of the enemy coming our way. When we walk with Christ, we are under a constant barrage of these fiery darts. Let me just name a few of them here for you tonight. Temptation to sin. Anybody face temptation this week? Temptation to sin is a fiery dart of the enemy. Well, what about people slandering us from the outside because of our faith. Anybody ever experienced that? That is a fiery dart. What about thoughts of unbelief sowed into our minds, into our hearts from the enemy of our soul? Also to go along with that, challenges to the word of God. We all in our own flesh have seductive desires that Paul talks about in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22. Our desires of the flesh are leading us astray. They themselves can be used by Satan as attacks of the enemy. What about emotions that run themselves out of control? 
By out of control, I mean not obeying Christ. Where we don't take every thought captive and every feeling captive and say, does what I'm feeling, does this line up with what the Word of God teaches? Fear, anxiety, worry, doubt, all of these feelings that Jesus and in His Word tell us not to have those feelings. So if I indulge in fear and worry and anxiety and I allow myself to take in things that feed that in my soul, I'm disobeying Christ. Because God's Word says, fear not. Right? So emotions that are out of control. Now I'm not saying that you'll, as a child of God, that you'll never experience fear or anxiety or worry, but what I'm saying is that when you do You take that and you say, no, this is what God's word says. I'm a child of God. I'm part of his kingdom. He promises this and he promises that. And so I'm going to believe God's word and not this situation, not this problem. And you beat your fear into submission to the word of God. A thought life that is undisciplined is a attack of the enemy. Where you just let your thoughts just go anywhere and everywhere. Goodness gracious. We, we are to exercise self-control and self-control in our thoughts. Meditating upon the word of God. Washing our minds with the word. What about false teachers? They're an attack of the enemy, twisting God's word, distorting God's word, lying about God's word to deceive people. There's persecution that many uh, Christians today are facing all over the world. People today in China and Iran, India, North Korea, all over the globe, places in Africa, people are Suffering for their faith in Christ. Persecution. Even within the church, there can be disunity among God's people. The way uh, sometimes it's described, these fiery darts, is simply the world, the flesh, and the devil. All of these different ways that the enemy tries to attack us. But here's the good news in all of this. Here, Paul says to take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Not some, not many, not most, all. Whatever Satan can cook up in hell and launch your way, The shield of faith can protect you against it. Is that not what it says? And because of this truth, because the shield of faith will protect you from Satan's attacks, for Satan's darts to get to you, what will he try to do? He will try to get you to lower your shield. He will work in your life to try to undermine your faith in God. 
your faith in his word, your faith in his son, to erode and to destroy your faith. We have to recognize that before he launches attacks from this way or that way, he's already been campaigning, doing a a full-on propaganda campaign against our faith in God and in his word that would cause us to lower our shield, to weaken our faith. Then we are open and exposed to attack. And we have to recognize this as the primary way of how Satan begins his attack. Of course, we only need to go to the first pages of the Bible to see him doing this. When he comes to Eve in the garden and he says what? Hath God said. Hath God said. Did God really say you can't eat of any tree in the garden? Well, what is he doing there if not undermining her faith in the word of God? He starts to erode her faith, to to undermine her belief starting with asking a question and then speaking to her lies. You will not surely die. God knows if you eat of the tree, you'll be like him. Selling her on the lie. This is how Satan attacked Adam and Eve. This is how Satan attacked Jesus in the wilderness. If you are the son of God, turn these stones into bread. But Jesus did what Adam and Eve should have done. Jesus said, it is written. You see, the attack of the enemy did not work on Christ because he had faith in the word of God. He knew the word. He was the word made flesh, the word incarnate. And so he responded to, hath God said, are you really the son of God? I know know God just pronounced this as the sky split open at your baptism and the Holy Spirit came down and the voice from heaven, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. But if you are really the son of God, prove it. Jesus said, it is written. It is written. That faith in the word of God is a shield that will protect us from the lies and the attacks of the enemy. This is how Satan's going to attack you. Has God really said, does God's word really say say this? Isn't there somewhere in the Greek that you can kind of, you know, look at that and, oh, the, the Bible translators put that in. It's some mysterious conspiracy against whatever. Seeking to undermine the authority of the word of God and your faith in it. You see, he can't, he, can't, he can't destroy God's word. It is settled in heaven. Jesus said not one stroke of the pen is going away. Heaven and earth are going to pass away, Jesus says, before one stroke of the word of God passes away. So he cannot attack the word of God. What he can only attack is your faith in the word of God. And hear me in this. In that you will believe someone's word. You will believe someone's word. This is an inescapable reality. It's not whether you will trust in someone's word, someone's 
vision of the world and version of reality or not. It's which word you will believe. It's not whether you will believe someone's word. It is which word. Either you will believe the word of the Son of God or you will believe the word of the serpent. Those are your options. It's not whether you will believe a word. It is which word you will believe. This whole world, the whole cosmos is founded on the word of God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And God said, let there be light. In in creation, we have the word of God proceeding forth, calling forth all of creation into existence. In Adam and Eve, he gives them his word, his instruction, and then Satan comes and he says, I've got, a, I've got another word. I've got another take. Has God really said? No, no, no. You will not surely die. You will either believe the sun or you will believe the serpent. It's not whether you will believe, but which word you will believe. It's not whether or not you will be a person of faith. It's which faith you will hold to. You will either hold to it is written or you will hold to hath God said. It is not whether but which. Which word will you hold to? So we must safeguard our faith against these kinds of attacks. Which brings to the practical application of what am I feeding my soul with? Is is what I'm feeding my soul with, is it building my faith in the word of God? Is it strengthening my faith in God, in his promises? Is Is it causing me to trust God more? Or is it undermining my faith in God's word? What is your spiritual diet? Is it producing faith in your life or is it undermining faith? If your faith is growing weak, you are exposed to the attacks of the enemy. We live in this world of social media. We live in this world of 27, 24-7 news media. Listen, all of that stuff, it, it, in the end, it doesn't build your faith. It just doesn't build your faith. And, and all of the stuff I follow on social media, it's all Christian stuff. It's all pastors and preachers, and they're talking about the Bible. But what they end up doing most oftentimes is arguing with each other about what it means. That doesn't build my faith. That doesn't build my faith. When I flip on the news, man, that does not build my faith at all. Talk about a faith killer. I don't care what channel you're watching. It is bad news. But God's people are called to be people of the good news. The gospel. The good news. So I must feed my soul with the good news. What is my spiritual diet? Is it comprised of TikTok and Instagram? Fox News and CNN? 
All of that is a spiritual diet. All thoughts are spiritual. Ideologies are spiritual. Philosophies are, are spiritual. Is my spiritual diet entertainment? And there's like three places where you can get good entertainment these days. The rest of it's just anti-Christ. And it's so subtle. Satan is so subtle. We don't even realize it that he's just sowing those seeds of doubt in our mind. Listen, every time, and you, you can't even watch a Spurs game, which I'm going to do this year because we got a new guy, but you, you, you can't even watch a Spurs game without being assaulted, assaulted in your faith by a false word, a false vision of reality. You, you can't watch a Spurs game without watching, we got a lot of kids tonight, without having a rainbow parade shoved in your face on the commercials and even increasingly at the games. That's a false version of reality. That's an alternate word that's saying, believe this. Believe this. Believe This is good. This is pure. This is wholesome. God says it leads to death. And so if, if I am not engaged spiritually and just soaking everything in, Satan is just happy to slowly, slowly, little bit by bit, undermine and erode your faith. This is why coincidentally, or not coincidentally, I don't know what the word is, I'm running out of words. This is why we brought back Sunday night service to build your faith. Because God's people are under a constant attack 24-7. We as your elders recognize that. We as your elders see that your family, your thought life, your, your, your kids, your, your work, everywhere you go, everything you do, you're constantly be, being presented with a false word in this anti-Christ system of a world that we're living in today. And so we said, God's people need more truth. They need more of the word. Why? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We're constantly being bombarded. We must build our faith. This is why Paul says this about the shield of faith. And he sets the shield of faith apart from the other pieces of the armor by saying this, he says, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. I find that interesting that he, he, he doesn't say that about the rest of the armor, but he, he applies that specifically to the shield of faith in all circumstances. The, the way the King James renders that is above all. In all circumstances, above all, take up the shield of faith. Which is to say what? That we never check our faith at the door. We never check our faith at the door. Wherever I'm going, whatever I'm doing, I am taking the shield of faith with me. My faith in God, my faith in his word. 
I'm never checking that at the door. You go into the college classroom, you better take your shield of faith. You, you show up to work in a secular environment, you better have your shield of faith. In all circumstances, above all, we don't leave it in the car, we don't put it in the trunk, we hold fast to our faith in God. And the promise is that as we do that, every attack of the enemy will prove ineffective in your life. That is the word of God. We will be attacked. You will be attacked. You will face bombardment. You will be attacked in your feelings, in your emotions, in your thoughts. You will be attacked by people's words against you. You will be attacked by Satan throwing things in your field of vision that you never wanted to see. You will be attacked. But if you hold on to your faith in God and hold on to your faith in his word and in his promises and hold on to it is written, you will quench every fiery dart of the enemy. Amen. I want to close tonight by reading 1 Peter chapter 1, a, a section from 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter 1 and starting in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again. To a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance that is imperishable undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded, hear this, being guarded through faith. It is our faith in God that guards us, protects us, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed at the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Here Paul talks about that faith guards us. We are guarded by our faith in God. Though we are guarded by this faith, it says, we may be attacked. He says it might be necessary to be grieved by various trials that the tested genuineness of your faith 
may be more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire. Listen, if you're going through an attack today, if you're going through a test today, don't be discouraged. We're all going to be tested. We're all going to be attacked. All of our faith will come under assault. That's not surprising to us. Don't become discouraged, but do hold fast to your faith. Do hold fast to your trust in God and his word. And when you do that, your faith will go through a refining process so that it will even be to you more precious than gold. And that the faith that you hold on to will guard you from every attack of the enemy so that in the battle that we wage, we will be victorious. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. It is that lamp unto our feet and light unto our path. Lord, I pray that you would strengthen our faith in you and in your word. Lord, though we will be attacked, though our faith will be undermined in this dark and evil day, as we hold on to our faith in you, our trust in you, as we stand on your word and stand on your promises, we know that we will be victorious. Lord, show us the areas in our life that is undermining our faith. If there, if there are voices, if there are things, if there are people that we are watching and listening to that is eroding and undermining our faith, God, that you would expose that to us, that you would show that to us, and, and by your help and the power of your spirit, Lord, that we would lay that aside so that we might build our faith, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, that we might silence the voice of the enemy just as our Lord Jesus did by saying, it is written. And Lord, that you would guard the hearts and the minds of our children and our grandchildren from all of the attacks of the enemy. And that you would press deep into their heart an unwavering faith in you. We thank you for blessing us and blessing us as your people tonight. We thank you for the time that we've had tonight. It's been a precious time in your house. In Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said, Amen. Amen.